Welcome back to the Colin Cadmus podcast. This is episode number five, and I'm extremely humbled, honored, and privileged to be speaking today with Trish Bertuzzi. Trish is the founder and CEO of The Bridge Group, which she founded in 1998. And prior to that, she spent her entire career in sales, started in telemarketing, which is essentially an SDR today. Trish grew into becoming the founder and CEO of one of the most well-respected consultancies in the business. And she's the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Sales Development Playbook, which I highly recommend everyone grabs a copy of, actually. Mine's right here. Yay. I swear I didn't stage that either. I've been rereading through it. But anyway, Trish, I'm excited to have you on the show today. It's great to finally get to meet. It's another episode of someone I feel like I know through LinkedIn, but we're finally speaking face to face. So welcome to the show and thanks for coming. And it's my pleasure, Colin. I like to start out, you know, I'll just give a quick recap for, for anyone who maybe is starting on this episode as the first one, but season one is about sales success stories. And my goal here was to put together a first season of a podcast where I get to connect with people who've built incredible, incredible stories that really started in sales, regardless of where it led them. So I started my first episode, was a weird one, was Corporate Bro, who started in sales and went down a very unique path of creating viral content. Then I spoke with my first CEO, Wiley Sorelli, who was the co-founder of Seamless and then founded Single Platform. I then spoke with Carolyn Betts, who obviously started in sales and then built out Betts Recruiting. I spoke with Aaron Ross, who also started in sales and has done incredible things. And now we're here with you today, Trish. So I'm excited to learn a bit more about your story, share with the audience. Obviously, I know a lot about your story from the book, but I want to dive into it. I like to start out with just a high level, like how you got into sales. Obviously, yeah. you started your career there. Things I imagine were quite different there. So I want to kind of start with how'd you get into sales? And then what's the big differences that you see today versus, versus then? Well, for anyone who's already heard this story, I'm sorry if I'm boring you. Um, but how I got into sales I actually was a waitress at a steakhouse back in the day, long time ago, when uh, the day of the three martini lunch, you know, for executives. Is this a steakhouse that is still well known? Ken's Steakhouse in Framingham, Massachusetts. Ken's salad dressings. <laughs> um, still around. Anyway, so I was a waitress, and every single day I had the same station and I had the same people, and this CEO. Um, VP of sales and CFO from a tech company used to come in every day and I'd wait on him every day. And finally, after, I don't know, months and months and months and months, the CEO said to me, he goes, he had a Hungarian accent, but I can't do that. But he said, you know what, Trish, you are rude, obnoxious, arrogant, and hungry, and you should be in sales. And I said, well, good <laughs> job. And he did, I love it. right? He did. Now, I don't think salespeople are rude, obnoxious, or arrogant, but, you know, whatever. It was bad. Perhaps that was on the job requirement many years ago. Perhaps it was. <laughs> and so he gave me a job, by the way, for $1,000 a month, okay, selling um, something called the computer installation data file. So literally, this is how old I am. We sold paper information on where mainframes were installed so people could sell to the people that had the mainframes right but we did it over the phone right. which back then was like that's like, interesting I, so there was no door-to-door -door. it was over the phone so I this must have been one of the first companies making that move or, or i imagine it was starting at this time uh i didn't know i just landed in it right, right. so got the job started doing it crushed it 
And I'm like, this is the easiest job in the world. Why do people say sales is hard? I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the process. I loved people saying no to me so I could get them to yes. Um, rejection didn't bother me. I was super active. I just loved it. And I did really, really, really well. And then from there, it just went on. I went to another tech company. I became a manager, then a director, and then a VP. You know how it goes. Yeah. Do you, do you stay in touch with that CEO? No. No. Be nope. interesting. I, I, um, and I, he's probably I'm glad you said. <laughs> he's probably dead. This is a long time ago. You know, he's probably dead, would be my guess. Well, he created a legend. I, I hope that he's looking down and he realizes that. <laughs> I hope so too. I hope so too. What would you say, Trish, are if it, like, obviously every year it changes and there's probably new answers to this every year that goes by, yeah. but looking back today, what's the biggest glaring difference in sales from, from then to now? I'm not sure there is a big difference. I gotta be honest. I mean, the tools we use are different. We think we're different. I don't think we are. I'll tell you why. You have to, here's what's remained consistent. Them before us. You always have to think about your buyer before you think about yourself, right? Anyone who's successful knows that. Them before us. You gotta know their business, know their challenges, know how you help them. You have to be passionate and believe in what you're doing and love it, right? That hasn't changed. Um, you have to be process driven. You have to understand how to be articulate. I mean, I think all of the fundamentals have remained the same. What has changed is all the ancillary stuff around it, like the tech and the tools and the, the tricks and the tips. But fundamentally, great salespeople have and always will want to help their customers build a better business. Makes a lot of sense. So, so it's really, it's kind of the technical process that has changed, that has changed, but the people, the people in it and, and sort of the emotions to sales really lives the same. It really is. And that's I mean, a good thing. I, I think it is, right? It, it, it says that like, hey, I think sales is such a natural thing that we try to reinvent it all the time. We're always trying to think of the next cool thing, the next trick. But like, yes. really, I think to those of us who, who are natural sellers, right? Obviously, there's those who are natural and there's those who, who teach it. Um, but I think that those general principles have just stayed the same, right? Sales yeah. is what it is. It's, it's yeah. building a relationship. It's persuasion. Um, yeah. And then I guess the methods in which we deliver it uh, is really what has, has changed quite a bit. And so exactly. that's what I'm excited to, to dive in a, a bit on. But before I touch on that, I, I saw a quote on your website and I wanted to ask you about it a little bit because I, I this, you know, I, think I never is, look at my own website. So this is going to be a total <laughs> so surprise. You may not, you, maybe you don't know the quote, but, but hopefully you do. So, so it says on your website and, and hopefully I pronounce his last name, right? Jonathan Franzen, yes. uh, who says one half of passion is obsession and the other half is love. And, and it goes on to say on your website that you have a passion for inside sales. I do. The reason, the reason I wanted to ask about that is because I, I, I think from the, career salespeople that I know, I'd say it's almost like half of them love sales and half of them hate it, but they love the money. And so I, I found it interesting that you say you actually love inside sales. And I do too. And, and I think it's about half, like I said, 
Um, but I don't think that everyone who is great at it loves it. So I'm curious to dive into that. Like, do you love the, the reward? Do you love the grind? Do you love the journey? Like, what, what, what is it that you love about it? I mean, obviously, I love the reward. I mean, we all do. Yeah, it's yeah, hard not to. <laughs> I will tell you, though, that I don't focus on the reward. I focus on my sense of achievement. I focus on really helping people. Like I firmly believe our services help our clients. I, I, I don't focus on the reward. Like I always have to go to Matt and say, do you know what I closed this year? I, like, I don't know. Like I, I don't know. So to me, it's about great conversations. Nothing gets me more jazzed than having a great conversation with someone about a business issue. So I probably do, let's say I do four to five um, sales calls a day, scheduled sales calls. And I would say three of them go nowhere. But I still feel really good about them because I, I spent the entire time brainstorming with someone on how to solve a problem. And when they don't go anywhere with me, I'm going to say 80% of the time, I said, I'll find you the right person. And I go find them the right person to work with. So to me, it's about at the end of the day, and I mean this every day, do I have a sense of accomplishment and feel good about the conversations I had and the people I tried to help? And that's do enough I for you. love the coin? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love the coin. But that's not at the forefront of my mind every day. It's interesting to hear that. And I think that there's, there's so much hidden, hidden advice in that, you know, I think there's a huge struggle with mental health. This is, this is what I'm getting at. The reason I asked you, yeah. there's a big struggle with mental health in, in sales, right? I've seen it my whole career. I'm sure you have as well. There's, there's always the people who just love it, enjoy it, and they're good. But there's the people who like, this kind of destroys them, this, this line of work. And for some of them, maybe it's because they're just not cut out for it and they're not very good and, and you know, failure can destroy anyone. But I've also seen great salespeople kind of just get mentally destroyed in sales. And that's why I, I had a feeling that's what you're going to say. And that's why I wanted to put that in there because I think it highlights that when you do focus on the journey and a little bit less on, on the end goal or the goalpost, you can actually enjoy the grind and you can enjoy the hustle. And I think, I think you have to do that to want to do this long term. Uh, and that's the reason I put it in there because I started by saying I, I know about half the people who just don't really enjoy the journey, but they're great at it. They earn money, so they do it. But I don't think they'll be able to do it forever. I feel bad for them. Yeah. Like I can't imagine not getting up every single day and being excited about what lays in front of me for the day. I can't imagine. Like I know people are, who have, they call it the Sunday night dreads. Yeah. They start dreading Monday. Like from four o'clock on Sunday on, they're dreading Monday. I'm like, I could not live like that. I've I been like that, but I've always made changes in my life when I've got like that. Yeah. Right. I got like that at my first job at CVS out of college after four years and I packed a U-Haul and I left and, and then I went and, and got into entry level sales, you know, and, and I grinded it there and I got to a point where I was banging my head against the wall. There's so you go to the next thing. And I, I think that's important for people to recognize when you feel that way, if you're not excited to go to work or at least content with going to work, it's probably yeah. time to think about something, you know, some sort of a change. Passion matters. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Um, so, so Trish, I want to transition a little bit, kind of skip ahead to, 
you know, you decided to start your own company. And I so did. I think that that's a kind of a good segue is you've got this sales career. You went from waitressing, almost reminds me a little bit of the Barbara Corcoran story. I don't know if you know her, but she oh, started God. waitressing. Wait, in I had her money. Yes. I love her. I love Thank her. You. She's Thank my you. favorite shark. I don't know if you watch Shark Tank. But I do. She's great. Yeah. Um, and so, so she started out waitressing as well and got in. That's why I say it reminds me of that. But anyhow, so you, you found your way into, yeah. into this new career path. You loved it. You're good at it. What makes you decide to, to then set up shop and, and do your own thing? Okay. So first of all, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So let me say that. So my dad, PhD in chemistry, brilliant guy, had his own chemical company, five kids, right? I'm the oldest. Five kids. Not one of us graduated college. Myself. You do have that older sister vibe. Watch out. I'll go to my mom mode and then we'll see what happens to you. But yeah. So five kids, no one graduated from college. Every single one of us owns our own business. Wow. Yeah. Weird thing, right? My poor dad, all he ever wanted was someone to follow in his educational footsteps. Luckily, my son stepped up, graduated manga cum laude, I beta kappa, the whole thing. He filled Papa's dreams because I Good. sure felt it, right? <laughs> but so we all, my point is we all had an entrepreneurial spirit and I was in 1998, the VP of sales and an equity partner in a company called Telesales Inc, which was focused on the B2B tech space. And we were the inside sales teams for tech companies, not SDRs. We actually were building quota carrying teams, but it was outsourced. Right. Got it. And I kept you know, and I was the VP of sales, so I was doing the selling and I kept talking to these CROs and VPs of sales and they're like, yeah, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you hire these young, hungry reps, have them pound the phones and they thought revenue would shoot out the other end. And I'm like, you guys, this is as strategic as building a channel. This is as strategic as building field sales. This is... Uh, this is strategic. It's not young, hungry reps pounding the phone. It, it was making me insane. So I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to start a consulting practice. Just going to do it. If it doesn't work, I'll go get another job. And that was 22 years ago. It worked. Yeah, it worked. It yep. worked. Yep. I, I love that story. It's, it's similar to my sister's. Like I love when businesses are started from just being a part of a business and not liking the way it's going and saying, I can do this better. You know? Yeah. I think that's how almost all businesses are started. Right. So what did your sister yeah. do? Yeah. So she's a lawyer. She, she graduated school was, was, uh, I don't think they call it a residency. I forget what they call it when you're working, uh, um, you know, at, at, at your first practice. And so is it an intern? Uh, it's not, it's not called an internship. It's not a residency. I forget. Associate? The, I, it might be associate. She might've been an associate. Maybe that's the word. Uh, but anyway, she's low rank, right? She's, she's a new person there. And yep. so long story short, they were just doing a lot of sketchy things. They were forging her signature on documents. Oh they were being, God. you know, unethical to clients and this stuff. And so, you know, she started to make friends with a couple other of the people there. And she's had a conversation at lunch with one lady and said, you know, we have the relationships with all the clients. Our boss is, you know, an asshole for lack of a better word, never comes in, you know, big shot lawyer. He's got the whole practice running itself. And they said, why don't we just take these clients? They like us. And they did. They took all his clients and they went and started their own practice. Uh, literally all of them, maybe with the exception of a few. And overnight they had their own law practice. And so, That's awesome. uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it goes to show it's you. The makings of a television show. 
<laughs> stealing your boss's uh, your boss's company or just yeah. doing it better, right? Yeah, that could be the yeah. name of it: doing it better. Yeah, there you go. I like that. Awesome. So, so can you, um, I, I want to make sure we put a little bit of info in here for anyone who doesn't know what the bridge group is. Do you want to sure. uh, quickly describe what you guys are up to today, what you're doing and uh, how sure. they can find you? Sure. So we're a services business uh, focused on primarily the B2B tech space, worked with over 400 some odd clients and our services fall into two buckets. One is strategy work. Like we spend a ton of time helping our clients figure out what their go-to-market strategy should be not product market fit, but from a sales perspective. Where do I want my revenue to come from and what resources do I need to apply to go get that revenue? So we build out strategy and implementation plans. Um, on the tactical side of the house, we do interim management. We offer SDR coaching. We sell candidate assessments. We write a ton of message and process. So we do a ton of work around writing sequences, cadences, full boat playbooks, you name it. So really anything that where you need some bandwidth and you need some expertise around virtual selling, we probably have a service that would fit. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Very similar to the world I've recently dove into. I don't know if you know, but yeah. I've, I've, I've left and, and got into consulting. Yeah. Curious to ask you, at, at what point did you make the decision to go from, you know, solo consultancy to building a team? <laughs> Don't do it. No. I, I honestly um, don't want to, and that's why yeah. I ask. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, I don't know if you've ever read Million Dollar Consulting, but on your own, you know, you, no. you, you, there's, a, there's only so much you can do. I actually always just wanted a lifestyle business, but then I had the opportunity to hire Lori Page, who I had worked with at TeleSales Inc., and Lori's been with me over 20 years now. She's one of my partners. So I'm like, all right, you, Lori, Lori and Trish, lifestyle business. But then I had an opportunity to hire Gail, who I had hired for two of my clients and he knew she was awesome. So I'm like, okay, Lori, Trish, Gil, let's go. Lifestyle business. And then Cindy and then Janet. And then, you know, Matt and Kyle joined and then sat. It, it just, yeah. it was not intentional in that I didn't say, Hey, we need another consultant. I'm going to go find one. It was more, these people are amazing and they want to play with me. And how lucky am I? Yeah. Yeah. So I have gone, you know, kept my business relatively small with intent because the other thing I only do is I only hire people who have actually done the job at the director or VP level for tech companies. Um, that's just my philosophy. If you haven't done the job, how do you, you know? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah Who's yeah. going to hire a consultant who hasn't done it? Oh, lots of people. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, they do. They, I imagine that doesn't work out too well though. Yeah. And who, not only who hasn't done it, but who's still not doing it. Like I make outbound calls every single day. Yeah. I, that's been, that's been the eye opening thing for me, like getting into consulting is like, I am now my own SDR, my own AE, my own CSM. I'm, I'm my own everything. I have to type out the invoice and send it out. You know, I'm, I'm doing literally every detail and I like it, right? There's definitely some things that I'm like, all right, I should find someone to like take care of my invoices. I should find yeah. someone to, you know, do some of these things for me. They don't need to be an employee, right? They can be outsourced yep. or something. But uh, so I want to chip away at some of those tasks, but yeah. I don't think I want to bring on a team. But I could see now that you tell that story, like how that could just kind of unroll on its own without really planning to do it. Very organic in our yeah. Very, very organic. And it worked out beautifully. And I have no regrets. 
It's Ah. interesting to hear that. I might have to consider it. Like I have obviously more demand than I can handle as one person, which is a nice place to be for a, for a business. You know, Colin, you know, you, referral well i i I, i'm gonna have to send some your way if i and that's why i asked these questions i asked it to uh uh to aaron as well and and Mm -hmm. and scott you know who's who's also in similar boat as me and thinking Mm -hmm. about like a team i also asked to to jake dunlap and like um you know he's like build a team build a team build a team like i don't know like i'm enjoying this not having a hustle and grind he loves i don't know where the guy gets his energy yeah oh my god i don't know either and he's got kids and stuff too. Yeah, he he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. Um, all right, cool. Let's, let's kids. How's Aaron? He doesn't even like ten kids. Aaron has nine kids. Nine, I knew. Nine kids. Yeah, he, the guy is unbelievable. I, I imagine. I don't know, but I imagine he's got some help in the house with nine kids. But oh, yeah. and I know a few of them are, are are older, probably taking care of themselves. But uh, yeah. but he loves it. And as a matter of fact, we talk a lot about that on the podcast episode. We went down this whole rabbit hole of parenting and and uh, yeah, he's amazing. He's yeah, such a he's family great. man. I love it. I love it. I love yeah. his story. He's awesome. He's awesome. I love that guy. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. I, I like to talk a little bit about pet peeves and and the things that drive you crazy. What are you seeing on the outbound side specifically, or or you could talk about AEs too if you want. I imagine it's probably more prospecting, but like. If there's something today that that drives Trish crazy when it hits her inbox or her voicemail, what is it? And what's the piece of advice to, to not do that? So nobody calls me actually, Uh which is hysterical. It shows how few people use the phone, which is the most powerful instrument in prospecting there is. I imagine, you know, Richard Harris, he, he tweets out his cell phone number all the time as a joke to show that no one picks up the phone to call him. Mine's on, you can find mine in, 35 seconds. Of course I can find anybody's in 35 seconds, but mine I intentionally put out there. Right. But, um, so I guess what annoys me is lack of preparation, like sending me emails to try to sell me an ERP system. Really? Really? I'm not blaming the sellers by the way. I'm blaming their management teams. Yeah. So lack of fit, trying to prospect me with Massive lack of fit, I find highly annoying. That's a major pet peeve of mine. Um, another pet peeve of mine that has nothing to do, well, it has something to do with selling, is people who spend so much time on their personal brand. I'm like, when do you have time to do your day job? Like, you're on LinkedIn 24-7. If you're not commenting, you're po- like, you have a day job. Someone's paying you. Go do your job for them. I know. I think about, like, I got involved in LinkedIn after I finished, you know, after I got into leadership. Um, yeah. I don't know how I could have done this when I was selling. Like, it, it and, and granted, I will say in defense, perhaps a little bit, that it doesn't take probably as much time as it looks like for some people, although I think and some that people, shows. Yeah, I think some people do just probably sit on LinkedIn all day. Like, I personally have a strategy for it where I actually spend yeah. far less time than it probably looks like I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know what you mean about sellers that, that sit there and do that. And, and then they still will send the unprepared uh, message to you. And it's like, you're staring at LinkedIn all day. How come you can't do a little research, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I had somebody say, say like, Hey man, like, uh, what did he say? Something like, like congratulations on your new job at Colin Cadmus LLC. And it's like, really? Like, did you even read? Like, come on. I was born. Congratulations on starting your own company. <laughs> like, it's just little things like that. But yeah. um, let's dive into the coronavirus. So we've, we've had a, 
let's not dive in. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive into the to the sales the sales yeah. side side of it. So. Uh, I, I think we're on the end of this thing, right? I think we're getting out of it soon. It sounds like vaccines are getting shipped, this and that. So we'll see what happens. But nonetheless, I think the selling environment has changed permanently. It has. Right? Um, and, and so I, I want to get some thoughts from you on, on what has changed and, and what reps need to do you know, to, uh, uh, to, 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 to handle that, essentially. So, I mean, obviously, remote working has is, is for dramatic impact. I mean, you can't just call a corporate office anymore, try to figure out who's at what extension or get their office direct dial or send them something using Sendoso or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. So remote put a whole spin on this. Um, you know, there are definitely ways to work around that mobile numbers, you name it. Um, so it's the industrious among us who have figured out how to address that issue. But I also think people have less capacity to tolerate what I call marketing gobbledygook. Hmm. Like, don't give me the long answer, give me the short answer. Like the purpose of my call today is, or, you know, if I hear we're the leading provider of, or, you know, if every email you send me, I can tell is a template. Or I, I think people, I think this has forced us to be more human and this is a, and I don't think that's a barrier. I think that's an opportunity to up your game yeah. is to really communicate in a style and with language that shows empathy, establishes credibility. I think the human factor, those who figure out how to leverage that in their sales process are those who are going to win long term. Completely agree. I actually, so I've been thinking a lot about this and I think in a way, and, and perhaps this spans beyond sales and just into like social, you know, you know, norms and whatnot as well. But I kind of think what happened from coronavirus in, in, in large and effect to, to sales, it's almost what was already happening, but it's been enormously accelerated. Yeah. Right. Like people were, were already kind of shifting to remote work. People were getting more difficult to get on the phones. Phone numbers were more difficult to get. Um, people were beginning to death or beginning, people were getting very numb to being put in someone's cadence and receiving, yeah. you know, the email, the phone call, the, the LinkedIn, this and that. It's, it's, it's predictable. I think this has accelerated all of that, which I think could actually be a good thing for us because it's forcing us to, to open our eyes and change. Right. Um, and I, and I talk a lot about this with Aaron Ross, you know, I mean, he, he came up with, you know, this, this model that then I, I, I then think like, sales loft and, and, and yeah. outreach, right? They, they made it too easy to do this stuff that now it's not really that effective and you have to, you have to think, think outside of the box. And so let's talk about cold calling for a little bit. Cause I think that that's the, probably the big piece that's gotten the most difficult right now, just actually getting someone to answer the phone or getting their mm -hmm. phone number. Um, how do you think that has changed and, and how do you advise people to use a cold call today? Is it different than, you know, how it was 10 years ago? So, first of all, I never use the word cold. Okay. I call it outbound because it's not the, it's not the call that's cold. You know what I mean? You, sure. You can find out everything about someone practically if you, if you invest the time. So, I don't, you know, I use say outbound because, once again, I don't believe in the term cold. I do think, and I'm going to stick by this, that unless you're a commodity play, that with inbound you get what you get. With outbound, you get what you want. So if you're not focused on really, really honing in your outbound strategy, you are leaving revenue on the table. 
your competitors are going to go get it, right? So, you know, there are certain parameters to outbound that have to work for it to work. You know, you have to be super tightly focused on your ideal customer profile. You need to completely understand your bio persona. You need to have a story to tell these people that will resonate with them. You need to add value. You need to be compelling. You need to develop relationships. But outbound is a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty. Embrace it. Love it. Get it. Do you, um, do you have a, a specific preference in terms of how you structure a cadence or does it vary based on the client? It doesn't vary based on the client. It varies based on the buyer persona. So for instance, we did a, a research study with modern sales pros and sales hacker a year or so ago called the, and the research is the sales engagement guide. And we surveyed three buyer personas, sales, ops, and marketing about how they like to be communicated with very different. Yeah. You know, sales love the phone, marketing loved email, and ops just wanted content. So we build strategies based on what your buyer persona, what is their preferred choice of communication. Not that we're not going to use all of them because we are. You just have might weight one more heavily. So right. I think that's kind of our approach. That makes sense. Do you do you tie in with with phone calls, you know, with your let's call it your, your, your intro script or uh, your voicemail script. Do you, do you change your strategy on what you say in there depending on that? Like if it's oh, someone who, so if it's someone who doesn't like to speak on the phone, but you're going to leave them that voicemail anyway, instead of saying, call me back, are you saying, check my email? I emailed you yesterday. Good point, Colin. We very rarely say, call me back. If you want to reply to this, there'll be an email in your inbox to which you can do so. Or, you know, sometimes we'll say, call me back, but it really, once again, depends on the buyer persona. Are they going to call you back? Are they not going to call you back? Yeah. I, I found that callbacks are increasingly difficult to get, but that the voicemail and, and even just getting someone to answer the phone is increasingly difficult. You've got, yeah. you know, there's spam blockers. I mean, you can actually turn off incoming calls from any number that's not saved in your iPhone now. Like, you know, people are doing that stuff. So it's, it's more difficult, but you still have this beautiful voicemail that you get to leave and it gets transcribed right into their phone. Voicemail. What is a voicemail? A voicemail is an audition, right? You're an actor. Voicemail is an audition. Are you prepared? Can you play that role? Do you know what to say? Do you convey emotion? I mean, if you think of them as mini auditions, yeah. I mean, I'm a drama queen. So for me, <laughs> I love voicemail, you know what I mean? But once again, if you think of it as an audition and you're telling a little piece of your story that supports all the other little pieces that you've delivered, I think, you know, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big advocate of just the multi-channel, you know, outreach and, and try to drive people back to whatever means of communication you think they're most likely to use, which is usually yeah. email. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I love the voicemails and I've been advising people to be, to actually test their voicemails on themselves and see how the transcription is. Cause a lot of people I think don't listen to them. They just read them. Yeah. And you know, when you get the ones that are just, you can't read them. Uh, I think they end up just getting deleted. So I think it's important to actually have a cold call script or sorry, a voicemail script uh, that, that you're using words that can be easily transcribed. And that right. uh, is, is, you know, is skipping straight ahead to getting right in front of someone's face, which is pretty powerful stuff. So um, I love that. Um, 
what do we have here? Oh, all right. So this topic I love. <clears throat> so I want to talk about sales leadership and um, I'm going to be putting out a lot of content soon for people who want to get into sales leadership are thinking about it. So nice. this is, uh, I get so many questions on this when I do AMAs. This is like the top subject for me is salespeople who aspire to be a leader. And so I dig in with people and what I often find, um, you know, and, I, and this started way back from when I even got into leadership. Every rep comes to you and say, how do I become manager? How do I become this? And, you know, I always start out with, why do you want to get into sales leadership? And I, and I have to hear a convincing story there. And I rarely do because most people don't know what they're really, really getting into. So I'm curious what thoughts you have or how you would handle that conversation. What do you say to someone who's a successful AE, they're doing really well, and they're thinking about that next step? What's your advice to them on how to decide, am I meant to be a leader or should I just keep crushing, you know, selling? Well, I'm back. I'm going to support you in the why. Um, sales leadership is a bitch. It really is. Yeah. You know, so what I say. Why we all become consultants. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's enough of us to go around too. Um, here's the thing. When you're a sales leader, you have to embrace the fact that your income is tied to so many people and so many factors over which you have zero control and you need to be okay with that. Because if you think you have control over all that, you're wrong. You don't. The board is gonna hand you a ridiculous number because that's what they do, right? Um, and, then, and then, okay, and then you have to even up that number, dole it out to your reps. Um, maybe there's product issues, no control. Uh, maybe you inherited a bunch of reps who can't sell, no control. I mean, there's so many factors that are out of your control in a sales leadership role that I just think it's incredibly challenging and very few people are well suited for it. And I can say that because I was not, am not, will never be. Can you talk a little bit about that? What did you discover about yourself that, that made you realize you're not cut out for it? I have zero patience. If I tell you something once and you don't get it, I'm like, what? Like, what? Um, I have no ability to hire great salespeople. In the first five minutes in the interview, either like you or don't. Horrible, horrible. Interesting. Horrible. I find that hard to believe. I would think you'd be a, a, a recruitment manager. I'm not allowed to hire. No, horrible. It sounds like you, you like to just move quick and you have no patience and that, yeah. that can be irritating for a team, I imagine, yeah. Oh, I, nobody reports to me here at the Bridge Group. I don't know if you know I, I that. I know not, that. Yeah, not I've one that. soul. And that's, that's by design. Believe me, by design. They just leave me alone to go do my thing and <laughs> they're off running the business. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, before it was like SDRs who want to become AEs just because they think they should. I think the same is true of AEs. But now, now sales enablement. What a great segue right? Um, RevOps, right? What a great place to end up. I mean, like huge impact on an organization. So I think now more than ever, there's other avenues for salespeople to pursue when they want to take the next step in the process. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I'm glad you brought up the enablement and, and ops piece because I've 
recently seen some people who, who probably wouldn't have been great AEs that moved into that and became, became incredible at it and Fabulous. grew to love it. Yeah. And I, I kind of backed you into that question because I, I knew what your answer was, but I'm, I'm glad you, you shared that because I think it's important for people to see how incredibly successful you've become, but you accepted, like, I'm not going to be a sales leader. And then that's fine. And I think so many people get wrapped into just, they feel like they need to move up right? And they feel like they have to announce that promotion at some point in their life. And they get so consumed by this and, and, it, and it just, it overtakes them. And, and in hindsight, it's like, if you become a sales manager and you're not good at it, you know, you're going to get over that really fast and you're just yeah. going to wish you didn't do it. So yeah. try to give people the, the real advice there because becoming a sales leader, like it's so exciting and cool to get that announcement and put it on your LinkedIn and tell everyone you're a manager. And, but then on Monday, the job starts, <laughs> right? And you yeah. actually have to deal with it, right? And, 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 and there's just so much that comes with it. And um, so anyhow, I'm going to put out some, a, a, a course on how to guide people through that decision ah, and fabulous. what they much should do. I, I think it's, it seems like it's the one thing that's not out there. So, so that's something I'm going to work on. But um, um, cool, Trish, what, uh, what kind of stuff are you guys working on today at the Bridge Group? So Do you guys have exciting announcements, anything cool coming up? Yes. Our uh, next sales development report will be out in January. I love so. those reports, by the way. Do you, how many people do you have working on those? Is it just you? No, it's Matt. It's Matt. Matt's your son, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the brains of the bridge group. I'm I love those reports. I look forward to those every time. Yeah, have yeah, you guys yeah. done one on, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was curious <laughs> just to ask, so have you guys done one on average tenure of VP sales? Well, I can tell you it's 18 months. I know <laughs> that. I remember Gong did it. I've been hoping someone would do another one. I actually pinged Gong. I'm like, come on, we need the 2020 report. You know what? We might have it. We have a CRO compensation report um, available on our site. I haven't looked at it in a while, but I'll bet it's in there. I'm curious if the 18 has gone down. I have a feeling it has. You know, maybe. It's possible. Yeah. Maybe. You know, we do live in crazy times. Maybe it has. Well, that's why I think it probably did. Yeah, because a lot of us lost our job last, over, over this year. Yeah. Yeah. But anyhow, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Please uh, continue. I have no idea what I was talking about, buddy. We're talking about what Bridge Group's up to. What's hey, exciting. Yeah. yeah, so we're going to release... <laughs> we're going to release that report... So what are we up to? I'll tell you what changed. So COVID hit in, let's say March. And I took like five weeks. I just stepped back and went, okay, whoa. What do our clients need from us now more than ever? And what, after talking to a lot of our clients, what we came up with was we, re, we started offering just a service where we would write you a sequence or a cadence for one buyer persona because people were used to either inbound or crappy outbound and their pipelines were decimated. So I'm like, okay, don't panic. We're going to help you do outbound well. And so we wrote a sequence and we got them going there and we did it for a lot of our different clients and got them on the path to building their pipelines back up by using modern, modern selling strategies, and it has worked remarkably well for our clients. That's not something we ever did in the past. It was a COVID solution. 
Was this sort of like a, like a COVID cadence, like you were rewriting to reach out on behalf of like the current times of what's going on? Was that sort of what you were helping them do, like craft well, a, a it wasn't, new message? First of all, we never mentioned the word COVID or these times or new normal. We never did any of that. But it was more just saying, look, you've never been great at outbound. You have to be great now to get ah, people's attention okay. and we're going to teach you how. Got it. So these are people who are heavily reliant on inbound. That went away. Or so, even so, had crappy outbound. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like we're using outreach and sales loft and all of those wonderful things, but, you know, maybe not using them incredibly well. Have you seen a pattern, um, you know, a, a sort of a success pattern of what is working the best during these times? From a strategic outreach approach? Well, it depends on your buyer persona and what you have to say. Like, and who you sell to, right? You're How about an example? What, what would you say, if you think back like to your clients or what you've seen over the past year, is there one that has just particularly impressed you with how uh, they've overcome uh, the times? And maybe there's an example there of what they've done. Well, yes, except um, I'm not sure I'm comfortable sharing. Fair you, enough. Yeah, sorry. No worries, no worries. I feel protective with my clients and sharing their information. No, I understand. I should have realized that before I, uh, before I asked. Um, okay, uh, Trish, those are the questions that I have. But yes. um, I always like to, to leave a little, little segment here for anything that's hot on, on your mind. Like, what are, the, what are the hot topics for Trish in the, in the last few weeks? I'm back on the team selling bandwagon. Um, I'm going to start writing about team selling because I think it's making a comeback. Ah, you're probably going to like uh, CoSell. I don't know if you've had a chance to check out CoSell.io, I believe it is, that uh, Brendan Cassidy is working on. Oh, uh, okay. Good to know. Very much in the realm of, uh, of, of, of team selling. Um, I, I, I'm very much on the outside of it. I know very little bit about it, but I'll throw a little bit of a plug in here. I think the general concept here is they are building... Uh, something, I believe there'll be technology around it that is designed to help uh, you sell as a team with external partners. Um, so integration oh. type partners, things like that. Yeah. So it's, it's all the type of stuff that we've all been doing in SaaS, but his point is, and he's very right, we're not very good at it. No. Um, and so I believe this is a company, a platform, something, some sort of a tool that, that is supposed to facilitate that so well, thank you Colin I'm gonna check that out yeah keep an eye on that There's, yeah. there should be some good stuff coming there yeah hmm. co I think it's called yep well cool all right Trish this was awesome we'll have to do it again sometime um it's great to to finally catch up I love you are you in your office right now or is this your home this is my oh, home nice spot there your home office that's it's yeah. nice Awesome. Yeah. Well, Trish, thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure to have you on. I hope that you and the family are, are doing well out there. Thank and, you. Uh, enjoy the holidays. Enjoy the time. Stay safe. Wear your mask, social distance, all that good stuff. And uh, I'll see you on LinkedIn soon. Do you want to right, throw see you there, buddy. Any, any plugs? Where can people find you? Where can they follow oh, LinkedIn. you? Best LinkedIn. Best place. Oh, LinkedIn. you know what? I have to ask. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. How in the world did you get to, what do you have, 200 some odd thousand followers on LinkedIn? Uh, last time I looked, over 260,000. Is there a, a secret strategy? Yeah, or is organic. It, I have no idea. You've just been doing it for- I am not intentional. <laughs> you, can see my, you don't know me by now. Like I didn't have any, no. I just, I don't post, I post when I have something to say. I'm not on there. But when I do, I think people pay attention and 
I have no idea, but Lordy, Lordy, thank you. Yeah. Hey, don't, don't hate it. Right. (laughs) Well, good stuff. Everybody follow Trish Bertuzzi, get the copy of the sales development playbook is the best place to purchase that on Amazon. Absolutely. Awesome. Please go buy it. Fund my retirement people. No, seriously. It's an incredible book and it's not, you get a lot of content in here. It's a good book. Get the hard copy. Maybe like, I don't, you have an audio book too, I imagine. I do. You do. Is it, is it your voice? Do we get to hear you? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, please do. Audiobook. You know me, drama queen. I think, oh, I am going to rock this thing. So Matt, who is the boss of me, makes me audition against professional readers. No way. But yeah. I love hearing the author. I don't like them if it's not the author. Well, voice. it's not me and it's a man. Oh, it's not you. It's not me and it's a man. And apparently I failed miserably at reading my book. Really? I guess I hit the wrong words at the wrong pace Wow. Well, I, I stick with the hard copy. I, I like reading it because then I'm hearing your voice in my head, I think. Well, there you go. <laughs> Good stuff, Trish. Have a great rest of the weekend. And uh, we'll, we'll see you on LinkedIn. All right. I'll be there. Take care. Bye-bye. This episode was brought to you by Lessonly. Check out Lessonly.com. That's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y.com. This episode was also brought to you by Spiff. Check out Spiff.com forward slash Colin. Please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and I'll see you next time. Mm